Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Happy New Year. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that 2020 is over with. I'm so glad that we're starting a new year and last year was last year and last year is not going to be this year. This is a brand new start. Amen. Amen. You know, some of the things that I learned in last year were from my mistakes. Some of the things that happened last year was because I was trying to do things on my own because I was used to them, but I wasn't first giving it up to God. I should have prayed a little more last year. I should have devoted myself a little more last year. And so this year, I want to make sure that I set the groundwork ready for what's coming ahead. Because unfortunately, like Scott said, you wake up today and it's not too much different than it was a couple days ago. So it's even more that we get ready and pray and lean on God because whenever times get hard, whenever things get difficult, whenever things are out of our comfort zone, the only thing that we should be doing is putting everything and giving everything to Jesus. Amen? So we're going to turn our, our Bibles to the book of Mark today. Book of Mark is going to be chapter 9, and we're going to be starting with verse 14. We're going to work through 32. And the title of today's sermon is, I believe, help me with my faith. Help me with my unbelief. And when you get there, so when you get there to, to Mark chapter 9, it's the, the second book in the New Testament. Say amen. 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 Let's pray. Father God, I, we humbly come before you, Father God, and, and we just ask that, Lord, we, we, we just ask that you, you lead us. Speak through me. Open up our hearts. I know you have a message for us as we go into 2021. And I pray that we get equipped tonight and we use what you're giving us for this next year. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. So as we get into chapter 9 and verse 14, to give you a little context, Jesus and his disciples were just at the transfiguration. If you don't remember that from a couple weeks ago when we last had a service here, that's when Jesus took his inner circle, which was John, it was James, and it was Peter, and he took them up and he saw the transfiguration. That's why Jesus lit up and he saw Elijah and he saw Moses, and they were talking about his death, and they were just coming down. But while he was down, there was nine disciples that were down on the hill. And so... Mark, uh, even though it's one of the shorter Gospels, it gives us a really good, detailed, and complete account of what his disciples were doing while he was up away. And we see them, and as they come in, verse 14, it says, And when they came, the disciples, or excuse me, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. You see, there was a, a demon-possessed boy. 
And the father had came to the disciples because Jesus wasn't there. They came to the disciples because this is the person that's representing Jesus. And since the Jesus ain't there, they go to the next best thing, the disciples. And they say, hey, we need some help. We know that you cast out demons. We know that you heal people. We need help right now. My son. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. When you think of your kid and something was so traumatically wrong with them and only Jesus could help. You're like, Jesus, my son. So he goes to the disciples, but they can't do it. They can't do it. And so it caused this commotion because the crowd, there was a big, huge crowd because they're like, oh, the disciples are about to exercise another demon. Oh, everybody watch this. And, and then you got the, the Pharisees and the scribes and they're there and they're watching because they're just waiting for, for them to mess up. And just so you know, a heads up, whenever you're a Christian and you're representing Jesus Christ, other people, opponents, they're always looking for you to mess up. And so he's sitting there and they're watching him mess up and he does, they can't do it. And so now there's this big argument. It gives the the Describes the opportunity to say, yeah, see, I told you this is all fake. This is not real. But see, the beautiful thing that I've learned, because I don't know about you, raise your hand if you've made a lot of mistakes in life. <laughs> I've learned this. Failures help define us. And they can also give us opportunities to learn how to increase our faith. You see, when we reach the text, there's, there's a dual problem here. The first thing is, that the failure to exercise the demon, and now there's this commotion, and, and disciples, you can imagine, they must be embarrassed. Everybody's watching them. They're telling, hey, everybody, we're going to do this in Jesus' name, and, and they get ready to show everybody their testimony. And then in front of everybody, they drop the ball. And everybody's watching. I mean, that must be embarrassing. I don't know if you guys ever play sports, but it'd be like the game-winning shot for the NBA championship, and it's all on you. Three, two, one, you shoot it. And it's an air ball. And everybody's looking at you like, what? That's what it must have been so embarrassing. And the second thing is it gave opportunity for the scribes to discredit their faith. Because back in the Jewish culture, for the disciple, the disciple was supposed to represent the teacher. And so the teacher trusted him on the message or on the mission. The disciple wasn't supposed to fail. And they did. They did miserably. So then Jesus comes down, he sees it. And just like Jesus in our problems, he has to come fix them again. And so we read in verse 15, it says, and immediately all the crowd, once they saw Jesus, immediately when they saw him, they were greatly amazed. Matter of fact, Mark is the only one who uses this. And the actual literal meaning means had intense emotion. They were greatly amazed and they ran up and they greeted him. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine this, but they're sitting there with disciples. Disciples couldn't do it. They're like, oh man, they, they thought this big, huge thing was going to happen. All of a sudden, now they see Jesus and Jesus is walking down the mountain and everybody's just going crazy. But it's not just going crazy. It's, it's just this, 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 this excitement, probably way more. I don't know if I might date some people, but remember like Elvis Presley? Or, or, or that might be too old for some of you guys. Okay. <laughs> they, could, they just went in awe and wonder because Jesus, his presence brings awe and wonder. And then in verse 16, it says, and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? 17, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. 
And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast him out, but they were not able. Now the actual literal translation means they were not strong enough. The father realizes this and he comes to Jesus. And, and this, is, this is for us, this is a great theological principle to live by. A person must first see their own inadequacy before they can ever be brought to the person of Christ. Until we realize that we can't do it on our own, we're not ready yet. We first have to submit ourselves. It's just like some of you guys ever heard of N.A. The first thing you got to do is admit and realize that you're powerless. Now, if you look at it, you read it as we reread it. It talked about in 18 that whenever it sees them, it throws them down. And he foams and he grinds and the teeth and becomes rigid. These are the same symptoms as epilepsy today. But Mark makes it very clear that this wasn't just a, a, a physical condition. This was a spiritual condition. This was an actual uh, unclean spirit who was a mute spirit. Actually, it was mute and deaf spirit. And because of that, taking over the boy, it made the boy mute too. It took over his, his, his central nervous system and threw him down and, 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 and totally was destructive. And Jesus, after he finds out that he can't drive him out. Looks at him. And before we go there, I want to say one point. This is very surprising. So why is it surprising? Well, if we remember, if, if you guys were here when we read Mark chapter 6, Jesus, God himself, had commissioned them for them to go cast out demons. And they had done it. They had been doing it. They had been casting out demons. So all of a sudden, this was expected for them to do it. They even expected it. And now they can't do it? Something was off. In a crucial moment, they had failed. We find out later it was because it was their lack of preparation, their lack of prayer. I think maybe the disciples got a little too confident. They started thinking, since they've been doing it, they can just keep on doing it, even on their own. I don't know if you guys, for those who have served in outreach, one of the things that I appreciated about Pastor Pete and he installed in me and I installed into our outreach teams is we take a Jesus day before every outreach. Just a day to prayer, just to come to God and say, God, hey, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do this? Because we used to do outreaches, but it's funny when you do your ministry or you're at your job or you're with your kids or doing whatever you're doing, you can kind of go through the same routine and, and you might be good at it. And through your own mechanics, you can do it a certain, to a certain extent. But man, God can do it so much more better. But it's kind of like when we wake up in the morning. When we wake up in the morning sometimes and we just jump off and we start our day. Some of you guys, as soon as you wake up, first thing on your mind is all the things you have to do today. Maybe it's got to go to work. I got to get the kids ready. I got to run this errand over here. I got to be back and make home dinner. And we do everything without first coming to God and praying. Or if we do, we might do that, you know, old-fashioned prayer. Hey, I'm guilty of this too. I've done this before. Jesus, thank you for waking me up this morning. Please bless me. Make sure I'm safe. Amen. How many of you have ever said that prayer before? 
Amen. But we're putting ourselves. We, we, we get this lack of prayer and we wonder why the things in our life, some of the things that we really want to pray, that we, we ask that we're really asking God for, why some of them is not happening. We're not being prepared. We're not praying enough for them. We're just kind of, eh, I'll throw something out there and see what happens. And maybe get used to it. You know, verse 19, Jesus says, and he answered them, oh, faithless generation. So, so, you know, in context, he could have been talking about everybody, but most likely he was talking about the disciples themselves. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long am I to bear you? You know, one of the fundamental problems of Jesus' opponents, one of the fundamental problems about the spiritually oppressing, even the disciples, was their lack of faith. And when he says how long, his longing, he desires so much to go back with the Father. His longing was for the, the disappointment and the weariness of, of the disciples' obtuseness. But it was never, ever for a lack of patience. Can you imagine how much patience God must have to deal with us? Can you imagine if the role was, or it was us having patience with ourselves? We'd be fed up by now. Like, I'm done with that person. But he gives us this grace period. He gives us this time of grace that we can come to him. But one day it's going to be too late. So if you haven't accepted that grace, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait. You know, I wonder how often God has grieved with us for not using the spiritual resources that he's given us. I wonder how often when he looks at the gifts that he's given you and you don't use them or he gives you this armor to put on before you go out to your day and you leave it on your dresser or he just wants to communicate with you in prayer but you don't have the time. I wonder how, how often he just grieves at that. The one who created us, Abba, Papa. I wonder when he looks at his kids who don't have time for them or just goes on with their day. I wonder how long he grieves at that. Verse 19, the second half, he says, bring them to me. Bring him to me. Jesus is about to show them who he is. And 20, it says, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, he's talking about Jesus. When the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. This is what happens whenever we come with Jesus. This is what happens. All of a sudden, you, you know, you, you've been on one side. The enemy's had control of your life for so long. But then Jesus comes into your life. The enemy sees that. And all of a sudden, the enemy starts having a fit. You ever notice that when you first get saved or the more you try to come closer to God, the more spiritual opposition you face? There's a reason for that. He's like, oh, you want to be on that team now, huh? <laughs> I got you. 
verse 21. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Now, Mark is only one out of the three gospels that, that show this story that actually asked or Jesus asked about this disease. And, and make no mistake, Jesus wasn't interested in a case study. Jesus was just letting him know how impossible the situation was without him. Even sometimes in our life, we wonder why things happen for so long. And we're not letting go. We wonder why it's happened for so long. Sometimes, got to wait until that moment. We finally realize that only he can do it. And he said from childhood, the father responds, and he has often cast him into fire and into water. And, and the word here for water actually is in a plural sense. This happens a lot. And the fact that he said destroy shows you the nature of the enemy. He's not coming when the enemy wants to come into your life. He's not coming to help you out. Every time you see in scripture where the enemy's coming to someone's life, he's coming to destroy it. He's on, he has a one purpose, one track mind, and that is to destroy it. So in verse, finished in 22, but if you can, the father says, the father comes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The father of the boy wasn't doubting Jesus' compassion, but because his own disciples couldn't heal his son, now there's doubt whether he can. But I want you to know something. Everybody say, all things are possible with God. Verse 23 says, and Jesus said, if you can. I can just imagine that. I don't know if you guys ever looked at your kids and they said something you just look like. What'd you say? He's like, if I can. And then Jesus, because they had the case of the ifs, says, all things are possible for one who believes. Now, I'm going to stop for a second because I want to give you some context. This verse right here has been taken dramatically out of context many, many times. When he's saying all things are possible for those who believe, is Jesus saying that if I think positively enough, the things I want will come to life? Is Jesus saying that if I name it and claim it, if I declare it and decree it, if I speak it into existence, that this is going to happen? No. Matter of fact, it's our job to, we can preach his declarations, but so to obey his declarations and obey his decree, decrees. When people say, and the Bible says, if you pray and ask in my name, I will give it to you. The word name was used in the context of like a signature on a letter. When you mail a letter to someone and you sign it, the saying you're sending this off and it's my will. I'm signing this. This is coming from me. So what Jesus is saying is that if it's in my will, I can do anything, anything at all. But in this case, God was wanting a little bit of faith from him. 
It was like it was an active force, an active ingredient. It was something that he wanted. You know, for those who don't know, I have a daughter named Grace, and she's three and a half years old. And both my kids, my wife went through hyperemesis. And so the whole time we're in the hospital, she couldn't hold down water. We were, I mean, it was bad, but my grace was worse. And I remember the night that they came and talked to us in the hospital. And they said, I just want you to know, prepare for your baby to pass. She's not going to make it. And that wrecked us. Because this is the doctors. The doctors are telling us, your baby is not going to make it. And so I, I just, I said, okay. So I left and, and, and I know there was a worship night at this church. So I went to the worship night and I worshiped and I was crying and I was so broken inside. And then I drove home and as I was driving home, one of my mentors called me because I texted him earlier and he was calling me back. His name was Pastor Ricky from a church. He said, man, I'm so sorry to hear the news. But I want you to go pray because God can do anything. We're not worried about what the doctor's saying. God can do anything. You go pray. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? It's up to God's will. And you can't just speak in and name it and clean. He's saying the same thing. And he's like, yeah, I know that's true. But God can do anything. And he makes that decision, not us. And so we got to go there and we got to pray like we never, ever prayed before. And we got to pray. And so when you get home, you put your hands on your baby, your wife's stomach, and you start praying so you can't pray no more. And you believe in what God can do. And if he doesn't do it, then he don't do it. But you try. And in tears, I went there and I just walked in the house. And my wife, she had all this stuff hooked up to her and she was in her bed. And I, I just I went up to her and I walked down. And I got on my knees and I just put my hands on her stomach and I just started praying. And I prayed like I never prayed before. And I prayed and I prayed. And you know what? My daughter is almost four years old right now. She's the cutest thing in the world. If I had a picture of her right now, I'd show it to you. But she's an answer to prayer. Because God can do anything, but we can't put him in that box. We got to believe that. Amen? So. I need to start telling more stories about my daughter. (laughs) So in verse 24, immediately... So after Jesus tells him this, he comes to Jesus, he's broken, he figures out he can't do it by himself. He comes to Jesus, and after Jesus says that, it says immediately the father and child cried. Some manuscripts said he actually had tears just pouring out and said, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Now, I don't know about you, but that, re- that response is so real. It's so honest. As he's realizing he's standing in front of Jesus, he realizes his own spiritual weakness and his need for a total dependence on Jesus. You know, when we get to that point, when we finally realize our own weakness, that we're not perfect and the only one who is is him and that we need him. We don't just want him for our wishes, but we need him in every aspect of our life. That's when the miracle happens. You know, I love, I love, I got so stuck on that, that part. You know, I don't know if you guys ever heard, but like the doctrine of justification, it's like, we didn't deserve this. And he knew there was nothing about him to deserve for Jesus to heal his son. 
but Jesus was going to do it anyways. John Calvin, a a famous, famous uh, preacher, part of the Reformation back in the days, he had a quote, he says, he declares that he believes and yet acknowledges himself to have unbelief. These two statements may appear to contradict each other, but there is none of us that don't experience both of them in ourselves. You see, the truth is that human belief is never perfect. It's always mixed. Our faith is a constant process. No matter how much we believe in God, there's moments where we struggle. There's moments where we question things. God, why is this happening? Or there's moments where we want things to happen, but they're not happening. And we're wondering why they're not happening. And we're asking God, God, why is this not happening? Is this real? Or am I the only one? Am I the only one who has ever struggled in my faith? Am I the only one who is ever wondering? And the reason is because the faith that he had in himself wasn't enough. The faith that we have isn't enough. The faith that we need that God requires, only God can give us. So we got to ask him for more faith. Some of us right now, while we're living our lives, we need to ask God, Lord, help me with my faith. I'm struggling right now. We need to be real honest instead of the, you know, a lot of us Christians, we have these, these textbook responses. Hey, how you doing today? I'm blessed. Blessed by the best. Or, or, or oh, I think God's going to do it. You know what? Yes, he will. <laughs> we don't sing those songs. And, 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 and. But then when we're by ourselves, we're struggling. Verse 25, and when Jesus saw the crowd and they came running together, not a new or not an old crowd, this wasn't the same crowd, more people were coming. He rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The reason why he did that before everybody came is Jesus wasn't looking for no sightseers. He wasn't just trying to promote miracles and people. Hey, look at me. I'm Jesus. I'm going to go heal some people. Let's get all the people we can. Everybody, come on. It's Jesus. Come on. I'm right here. Okay, hey, hey. You guys watching me? You see me? You see me? Okay. (sighs) He was on a mission. He didn't care about that. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. You know, that's why it's so important to have Jesus. And that's why, I don't know if you ever noticed, the enemy loves to act out. Every time you see about Jesus uh, taking a demon out, before they did, they'd always act out. When the enemy knows that his time is short, he acts out. And that's why we see a lot of stuff going on in this world today. There's a lot of acting out going on right now. And we need to be mindful of that. But if we read the end of the book, we know that we're all right. We just got to have faith. Verse 26. And after chronic convulsion, he came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said that he was dead. Now, the boy wasn't actually dead. He said it was like a corpse. Okay. When most people thought he was dead, he was probably more shocked or actually exhausted. But Jesus, and, and matter of fact, let me say one point because you're going to see this in a second. There's a reason why Mark wrote it this way, though. He's going to tie it in 
in just a few moments. You're going to see something. He wants to show this example because even though when Jesus raised them up, it was a conqueror over evil, and it was a, a kind of a pretty illustration of what Jesus is going to talk about, the death, burial, and resurrection. In verse 28, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked privately, sudden you've been casting out demons, you've been doing everything, and all of a sudden you get to one and you can't do it. You've been embarrassed. You had an opportunity to glorify God. It didn't happen. And now you finally get a moment where it's just Jesus, nobody's around. They ask him. You know, when we finally decide to take things to God, we start relying on him and not ourselves. The Bible says, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. They say anything but prayer. This kind. It shows there could be different types of demons or, or spirits and some stronger than others. But what is prayer? What is fasting? It's dependence on God. This type cannot be taken out without dependence on God. So obviously they weren't fully depending on God. Why did the disciples fail? Because they got careless with their own walk with prayer. Ever notice when you read about Jesus and he's taking disciples and Jesus was always going out to prayer for long times. Like Nate said earlier, between 12 and 3 in the morning, there's some spiritual activity going on and Jesus will be going praying and the disciples will be going sleeping. They were always slacking on prayer. We always slack on prayer. If you actually think about it, how often do we pray a day? Now I pray all the time. No, I mean, think about it. If you actually added up the seconds or minutes, how long do we actually spend in prayer a day? You know, a pastor once said, and it really was remarkable, he said, if you're not spending at least one hour a day of prayer every single day, the enemy's got a hold in your life. And, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, man, what did Jesus used to say? Our spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. Let's go pray. Imagine that every time that we were weak at something, every time that we were feeling something, what if we just prayed? And we didn't stop praying until we got stronger. Maybe our faith would grow. Maybe our faith would get stronger. You know, some of our battles need some spiritual preparation. But if we don't ever learn from our lessons, we're just going to keep on making the same mistakes. We can't just expect to do the same thing over and over again. What Albert Einstein say? And get different results. So in 2020, a lot of us, we made some mistakes. A lot of things, some things we did, we, we look back now and we're like, man, I wish I never even did that. We look back at our prayer life in 2021, yeah, it could get a little bit better. So as we get ready for this new year, let us get prepared 
for the battle that's at hand. Because guess what? 2021, right now, it doesn't look too much better than 2020 did. And for all of us who have been around for a while, if we don't make no changes in our life, ain't nothing ever changed but the date. Think about that one. So as a church, we're focused to get refocused. I don't know about you, but 2020 hit me really hard. And it's time to get refocused. It's time to get back on track. It's time to get back into our prayer life. It's time to get back into the Bible. It's time to get back to going church. It's time to get back to going out and started. It's time to go back and get closer and on the mission that God has called us and created us and designed us to do. And so we're doing a Daniel fast. Mark this in your calendars. You have a pen, mark it down. January 11th through the 31st so we can get refocused. And then Jesus, as he's talking to the disciples, verse 30, says they went on from there and they passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples. So he's not letting everybody else know this privileged information, but he's just teaching them now. And he's saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered or some translations say betrayed into the hands of man and they will kill him. This is the second prediction out of the three predictions that Mark gives of Jesus predicting his death to the disciples. And the word that they use for betray or delivered is literally in, in not just a futuristic sense, but a present sense. Because if you read the gospels, you remember that there was a guy named Judas. And the whole time Judas was walking through him, prepping and getting ready. The enemy was prepping and getting ready. But guess what? Jesus was prepping and getting ready too. And when he uses the title Son of Man, it's just to know that's a messianic prophecy from Daniel, from chapter 7. And the context that he was using was he was letting them know that the Son of Man, the Messiah, was going to suffer from the hands of a world leader, but that will precede exaltation. You look at the very next verse. It says, and when he is killed after three days, he will rise. So when they say in verse 32, but they did not understand, they were saying they were afraid to ask him. Maybe they did understand. I know in the context they didn't understand because they looked at the Messiah as this guy that was going to take him out of Roman oppression. It was going to be this, this David-like, King David-like figure. But maybe they did understand. And they didn't want to hear that they were about to lose Jesus. That Jesus wasn't going to walk with them no more. Or maybe they remember the conversation that Jesus had with Peter. When he told him the first time. And he said, get behind me, Satan. And so they were afraid to ask that way. Because they didn't want to hear that type of rebuke from Jesus. <laughs> but you know what they weren't afraid to ask him? The very next thing that they weren't afraid to ask him. <laughs> you want to know? Stay tuned. Next week, New Vision Church, Lemon Grove. <laughs> but when you read that, I want you to think back to this. And I want you to think back to earlier when they asked, 
Why couldn't we cast them out? The things that they weren't afraid to ask Jesus about always had to be about themselves. They were never afraid to ask about themselves. About what about them? Why can't I do this? What about my position? You know, in conclusion, last year, we went through a lot of struggles. Some of you might have lost some loved ones. Some of you or people you know might have experienced job loss. Maybe you had trouble paying rent or your bills. Maybe there's somebody in your family who is in addiction or facing severe depression or anxiety or even fear. And you've been praying. And maybe your prayers haven't came through yet. Or maybe you haven't been praying that much. But this year in 2021, I want us to focus on prayer. Because we got to remember that as we go into this year, let's not do the same thing we've been doing for the last umpteenth years that we've been alive. Let us spend this year focused on prayer. If we ever had a New Year's resolution, let this be the one. Let us focus on prayer. Because out of all else, Prayer is the most powerful thing because when we're praying, we're not just talking to anybody. We're talking to the God who created the heavens and the earth. We're talking to the person who, when we breathe, it's the person that allowed it. We're talking to the person that can change things. So let's go into 2021 and prepare ourselves for the spiritual battles. Prepare ourselves for the things that we've been struggling with. Prepare ourselves for whatever comes our way. Because God can do anything and all things are possible with him. Let me leave off with this. My wife and I, I don't know who we got this idea. We had this awesome life group on Thursday nights. If y'all want to be a part of it, let me know. I think they gave me this idea. It might have been Jeanette. Maybe not. I don't know. But... This right here is, is our prayer box. And on it, it says all things are possible. And um, we decided last New Year's that we were going to start writing down prayer requests. And we we're going to put them in this box. And the following New Year's, the following year, we were going to see what prayers God answered. And we opened up the box some of them got answered, but a lot of them didn't. And I had been studying and prepping for this text right here. And the first thing I thought about was, how hard did I pray for this stuff? Did I, did, did I, did I pray enough? Because the truth is, I prayed for a lot of things, but some of the things... I think I could have prayed a lot more. I think I could have submitted a lot more. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think I prepped enough for this. So we had to put a lot back in here. But I remember what they said. And I remember some things you just got to pray and pray and pray and pray. 
and keep on praying until it's happened. So what I want to encourage you, everybody's got a piece of paper and a pen. I want you to just think of one thing. One thing that you would want, if you could have any prayer answered, any prayer this year at all, no matter what it was, what's one thing that you would want God to answer? And I want you to write down, don't share it with your neighbor. This is just between you and God. And I want you to write it down. And I want you to take that thing, take, take 30 seconds and write down what that one thing is. It could be that your brother or your sister who's been addicted and going in and out of rehabs breaks addiction. It could be that the person in your family who has cancer doesn't have cancer next year. It could be that person, that friend or that family member that you wanted to get saved for so long who doesn't follow Jesus or that co-worker or whoever it is, that they accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It could be if you have a hurt marriage that your marriage gets put back on the right track. What's that one prayer for you? What's that one prayer that you would give anything for? And I want you to write it down right now. I'm going to write mine down too. When you're done, you should close it up. Now, this thing right here that you have in your pocket, I want you to commit to this year to pray for. You can put it on your desk or wherever you like to pray at. Maybe, maybe even put it on your wall or, or you put it in, inside your Bible. Maybe it's just a private prayer that only you want to see. Wherever it is for you, wherever you know you'll find it when you're going to go pray, and I want you to pray. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray like you never did. When the Bible says knock, amen. Knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. And sometimes you got to fight prayer. I mean, you got to be like, God, I need this, Lord. Please, please. And you beg God and you show God and you submit God and you believe and you have faith. And you pray until it gets answered. So everybody, I want you to hold your thing, your piece of paper up, whatever your prayer is. Hold it up and we're going to pray. Dear God, this is our prayer request. Father, help us pray for this prayer request like we never prayed before. As we journey into 2021, let us be more in prayer. Let us be more in our word. Let us get back on track. But this thing right here, Father God, Help us each day pray for this. Let us show you how much, how much, how much we give everything to you. Hey, you know what? I just want to close this. Privacy, eyes closed, heads bowed. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Please, please. If there's anybody in this room this is just probably, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ or, or maybe, you know, you, you just had like a really rough year last year and, 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 and you just want some prayer or, or, you know, maybe you're going through a hard time right now. Maybe, you know, you got somebody who's battling COVID right now or you got somebody who's died from COVID 
or maybe you're struggling with depression, can you just raise your hand real fast? Eyes closed, head bowed. Amen. 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 So church, we're going to pray. Lord, you are the ultimate healer. You are our God. We submit everything to you. All of our worries, all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all our fears, all our depression, all of our everything, our struggles, we give to you in this new year, Lord. We ask that you take them away and help us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a communion. All right. So, yeah. So now we're about to enter into a time of communion. Everybody have communion cups? Raise your hand if you need communion. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. So communion for you know, as he's bringing the communion. Communion is a time where we come together and we reflect. It's one of the two ordinances that Jesus commanded us for a diet. And one was baptism, the other was the Lord's Supper communion. That's when we remember what he did on the cross. How his body was broken and had his blood was poured out for us, but this is only for believers. So if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we respectfully ask that you pass for right now and come see me after the service so we can talk. Maybe just find out why. Maybe it's some hurt, maybe it's some pain. But if this is you, I want you to reflect. I want you to take a moment and get your heart right for God as you spend this time, just an intimate time, as we remember, James, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this is the time where we remember him. Actually, I'm going to meet him. I'm not going to be one of the televangelists that go in the crowd. And, no. Thank you. So in Luke, it says, there's a night for Jesus was being betrayed. He, he took the bread. And he said, take this. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me partake. And this juice right here, that's a symbol of his blood. He said, take this drink. Take this and remember of me. Father God, thank you for what you did on the cross. Lord, help us be better at submitting ourselves to you. Help us be better in 2021 to follow you, to remember you, to pray with you, to talk with you more aligned with your wills than our Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.